Welcome to this festive edition of Catching Up With, a series of discussions with staff from across the University of Brighton. I'm Richard Newman, and in this final episode of 2018, I've been speaking to Paul Levy, Senior Lecturer in Brighton Business School, based in a research enterprise group called Centrum, a change enterprise innovation research group. Paul's written articles on how to balance digital and physical life around the festive period. He's often referred to as our digital innovation expert. So I started by asking him what that means. We are surrounded at the moment by what people would call innovation. But Centrum's view of innovation for years has been something's only really an innovation is if it returns some sort of benefit to you, to your organisation, to society. There are lots of good inventions and ideas that don't do that. So innovation often disrupts the way we currently do things, but not always for the better. Sometimes in the long run, we realise it was for the better. Sometimes in the short run, you get benefits from it. But at the moment, particularly with the digital innovation, which is you're sitting here recording this podcast on a top draw phone that's amazing compared to what there would have been 10 years before and getting benefit from it we're interested in how does innovation deploy in the world in a beneficial way you're also an author a writer and your profile in a conversation says you're a collusion breaker well that's been something centrum's been about in a way is that we're often in our comfort zone whether particularly organizations an organization can be on its knees and dying but unless you have the real conversation evidence-based that says we're going to run out of money and three months time or these ideas are clearly not working and we're too polite to say it to each other sometimes what research can do is bring the data that gives you that reality check and the organizations have been colluding in niceness with each other and reality might bring you down with a bump but in the long run if it helps you survive and thrive that's the disruption that you need you've been around the university for quite a long time uh, can, you, can you tell us about your background well actually i came to brighton to do a ba business studies degree and one or two of the staff are still here that taught me when it was brighton polytechnic and i learned from there i had an interest not actually in working in a business as much as finding out about what was the difference between thriving enjoyable places to work innovative places and so i became a research assistant and then worked my way from there and since then i've been part-time here running my own company which is a change management kind of consultancy as well combining the real world uh, with you know the world of theory and the ability to prove my ideas in research you've produced some uh, quite interesting articles um, or working on some articles as well relating to christmas time and we're coming up to christmas now so countdowns went truly on and um People are fretting about their Christmas presents. This is the good one that you did um, from last year. Uncle Bob's too difficult to buy for. Cousin Sarah, you can't buy a voucher again. And um, fortunately, last year you came up with some top tips about how to shop a bit smarter. Yeah, and that was really about, um, in some ways, getting the spirit of Christmas back. That you know, why are we doing this? And some people are cancelling Christmas each year and doing just a kind of winter festival or just avoiding it other people feel it's a bit empty it's just a shopaholics either dream or a nightmare Um, a lot of people are just buying their stuff online um, and we're discovering things like you know the black friday deals are actually not that great and you can buy them even cheaper over christmas so there's a load of stuff about being smart when you buy stuff online but there's also a thing about um, thinking through uh, you know who are you buying for because the world of social media can make us like you know very quickly smileys and we end up just buying ourselves a load of stuff that we don't need so christmas actually is potentially a time to be more mindful that involves slowing down on your devices and not pressing it's interesting the submit button means surrender when we buy stuff you know not submitting so easily the danger of the phones is they're very fast they're very quick they're very convenient but they can give us an empty experience we can end up spending more money than we need and in the end we just end up with more clutter so we have to use this stuff smartly you mentioned that you talk about 
digital innovation um, and different sort of theories around that. So you've got things like radical, incremental. It really depends on who you're buying for, doesn't it? Because as, as you said, maybe someone maybe of an elderly generation is trying to force them into trying something else. It's not going to work out. No, the interesting thing, my mum, who's 80, is a, the most radically innovative person I know. She loves all the digital stuff, so we have to be very careful about the generalisations. But absolutely, what we've known about um, innovation for a long time is sometimes you know, innovation is where you substitute something and you don't need more of the same thing, the latest phone. It might be you need a different phone or it might be you don't need a phone at all and it's time to come off that. Um, it could be if you're a writer um, that what you actually need to do is get back to a notebook and slow down. And there were some brilliant new notebooks out, for example, where you use a physical pen but it can translate that, transpose it into digital text. Radical innovation is the big change stuff. Incremental innovation, sometimes less is more. And just a new update to something is something somebody needs. So what we know about innovation and what succeeds actually applies to present buying as well. It's interesting what you say actually about stereotypes because my wife and I got a 1960s record player for our, for our wedding and uh, we love it, especially this time of year. Just has this, just has this fantastic sound. My uncle is in his 60s, huge music fan cannot understand why we would go back to that something that he's grown up on he thinks why would you even bother with it if you've got spotify and the whole world at your fingertips so it's interesting how you can sort of go back you can go backwards maybe younger generations can also go backwards it's also because the piles of innovation the piles of electronics the piles of plastic big thing going on about plastic is some of us are starting to want to go back to and the millennial generation wants to go back to authenticity Know, the rise of natural things and we want to know what we're eating and if it's generally good for us so i found it interesting today in brighton i went into a shop and then another shop and both are starting to sell cassette tapes blank cassette tapes again so maybe you know we want the grainy sound sometimes and we want the sound of a record and little crackly noises because we feel a bit closer to the authentic thing and not everything being changed all the time by the tech that's true in films at the moment too there's a kind of debate in filmmaking about not interfering not airbrushing everything and actually having a more visceral, real, traditional view of the world. With Brexit going on, we don't know what we're being told. There's a whole thing about trust. Maybe that's happening more widely too in what we buy. We've spoken off air as well about some of the things that you are working on. This sounds like it's going to be a great tip for everyone, to be honest. Five ways to combine physical and digital life on Christmas Day. There was a lovely term I remember actually in the, I think it was in Lord of the Rings, where old Bilbo Baggins says he feels like his butter spread over too much bread. You know, is our attention being divided too much? People often flee back into the digital world because Christmas is the same again. And yet the people in front of you have changed since last year. And maybe you shouldn't be half on your phone and half in the room, but spend a bit of time fully on your phone and really enjoy that immersion. Then come off it and say, I'm going to switch that off for an hour. Go into the room and listen to your friends, relatives. Be there around the dinner table. Um, When you go on a walk out, you don't really need to be pulling your phone out. And if you take a photo, frame it, take it, then put it away and look at nature around you. That's what I'm suggesting here. There are lots of ways of just not doing either um, badly, but doing both well. Because it can be quite hard if you, it's quite an addictive thing, isn't it? Social media, especially. So this time of year, we're seeing my Instagram feed. It's just full of people being, taking pictures of their Christmas trees. And mostly that could be almost like a bit of a popularity contest to show that you maybe you've got better taste than someone else, for example. Yeah. Um, but the, kind of the experience of putting up a tree, pouring yourself a glass of mulled wine, putting on some Christmas songs, it's kind of a loss when you you're then thinking I have to put this on social media for example and we're just aware that people you know if you have your Christmas coffee or your mulled wine 
Um, but you're on your phone. You don't even remember drinking it. You don't even taste it. And that might even affect how you digest it too. But if any of you have got a real Christmas tree and you've forgotten to do this, walk right up to it, stick your nose in the branches, breathe in through your nose and smell that pine. There are smells around Christmas we don't get the rest of the year. And it's not you should be doing that in some crazy way, but the phones can distract us away from it. And yet they've got their own rich kind of landscape too so a lot of what i'm suggesting is it isn't both at the same time multitasking we've got a lot of research around this doesn't tend to make us more effective how can you sort of step away from it if you're so used to using your phone all the time it's a bit of a boredom buster isn't it sometimes if someone's waiting for, to meet someone they'll look at their phone if they're on a bus they'll look at their phone it's a psychological dialogue and it's been around actually in the people that have written about it including myself which is we go into this either or it's not about not doing that it's about doing this more effectively. And in my books, I talk about placement. And placement is about placing your digital world very positively in one place um, and placing your physical world. Um, in a way, actually, craftspeople used to do. They used to put their tools away. There were lots of pictures of them working mindfully, mastery over their work, but they didn't take them home and work on their hammer and anvil in bed. Um, and so it's not when you're on the bus going, well, I'm going to turn my phone off. It is actually just about looking out the window and seeing the Christmas lights, if only for a few minutes. Because you talked about how maybe digital technology can also make you have experienced sort of half the taste of Christmas. Yeah, and that particularly happens when you're half listening to somebody without a phone. If I'm just nodding now and not really listening to your questions, well, you'll get superficial answers. I think that builds up and you get to the end of a day and you can get to the end of a, a Christmas and look back and it feels a bit empty. It feels a bit diluted. We've got these senses. Here they are. And using them properly... I think it's good for our health. We breathe better. Our heart rate improves. We're not in this constant, slightly edgy feeling that the alert that vibrates or buzzes or lights up is always there at the same time as the other things we're doing. And it might just be a close friend or a loved one or your child that needs your attention. And you don't realise that your nodding and saying the word cool actually is a bit abusive towards them because what they really needed was you fully and they're only getting half of you. How are you spending the break? So that's a challenge in a family where we've also got children that want to be on phones too. But for us, the break very much is about choosing things that we're going to watch on TV. There are some movies to watch, but you know, also we live just near the sea and near the downs and going down to the sea, even if you don't feel like it, you never regret doing it. So there's going to be some walking up on the downs too. There's going to be, I guess, some of that food too, but making sure I taste it properly. And in my own case, the phones are not in the bedroom. The phones are not upstairs and I really enjoy using them in the times that I want to use them, but then they go off as the world comes on. So it's a, we're going for a digital physical balance. You're, you're quite well placed to be answering this question because you've been around the university for a very long time so um, it's quite a loaded question really but what do you think the university does best? The thing, I, when I first came to Brighton the university does Brighton pretty well too we get involved as a university in the Brighton Fringe and the Brighton Festival you will see people from the city involved in the university and vice versa so I think also it's good that we're not just a campus somewhere off-site. I love the fact that the new business school and the new buildings where we're sitting here at Moorscombe, they're going to straddle the Lewis Road. There's a challenge to build that, but we're in the city. We're not far away from where the students are living in flats and, and houses and accommodation. So I think what we do is we do tap into a kind of informality, a flow, and I hope that never changes because we've never been institutionalised in the way some of the traditional universities are. We are a city university, right under Grand Parade and down by, almost by the pier, you can find Brighton University. 
You can find our art in art galleries in there. You can find our research with businesses in the city. And that is what we do really well. The quick fire questions then we ask at the end of every podcast. So first of all, they're pretty basic stuff, but it gives you a good, good insight into, into your life outside of work. What is your favourite place in Sussex? So my favourite place in Sussex has to be the cafes of Brighton. And if I mention one, because I call it my office when the weather's good, it's Pavilion Gardens Cafe there, where I do most of my writing. Uh, what are you currently reading, watching and or listening to? So something I'd never normally read, but I found a book based on someone's historical research into the, what they call the real legend of St Nicholas. And it's quite revealing because it's got nothing to do with a man in the red suit from the USA. Oh. In, in terms of listening to stuff too, um, I do like kind of winter music, particularly into piano music. And I've always liked George Winston and he's got a great album called Winter. And if you just want to, even if it's not snowing here because of climate change, you feel like it's snowing in a lovely way all over you when you listen to that music. What, what, what have you learned from the, from the St Nicholas book? Well, the thing that I've learned there is that whatever Christmas you're going to have, they used to bring evergreen trees in before, you know, in all different parts of the world to remind themselves that nature kind of seems to withdraw in the winter. There isn't a lot growing out there. We gather our food in and the bringing in of the evergreen tree was the reminder of nature's power and how lucky we are to be alive. So what I'm learning from St Nicholas is there was also a legend of generosity. In the case of this story, it was bringing, bringing grain and flour to people that couldn't have it and someone that wanted to do that from a rich family. Um, and so generosity isn't only about a religious festival, but it's also about the fact that people believe in a Christmas Christmas story too. You don't have to buy into any or all of those to enjoy these dark nights, the coziness and the thinking of other people, whether you do that through your texting or through meeting up. Absolutely. Um, can you describe your perfect weekend? So my perfect weekend, I mean, if I'm particularly thinking over this Christmas, is uh, going into my little garden shed at the bottom of the garden that has got a uh, little sofa and a little oil-fired radiator, taking a few snacks in there and writing another chapter of the book um, covered in cats. It sounds like a cosy ideal, but actually I've discovered I get equally inspired for the first time in my life by the bottom of our garden. I used to go out into the cafe world to look at that, but now it's at home. You're working on a new book at the moment? Yeah, so a couple of books actually are on the go. One more academic is looking at the role of improvisation in facilitating change about this whole notion of being in the moment and not planning too much in places of hyper-change, hyper-turbulence. And the second one is a follow-up to my book, Digital Inferno, which is really looking now what are the physical skills at work that enable you to use and do digital properly, particularly if you're trying to innovate. Final question. If you can invite three people to dinner, past or present, who would they be? Oh, it would be my favourite philosopher who's stuck with me, or I've stuck with him for years, this guy called Rudolf Steiner. He wrote about so many different things in the world. Kind of a bit spiritual, a bit philosophical, but very practical too. Uh, my second person... Uh, would be Sherry Turkle, who wrote the book Alone Together, who really t- got me onto this whole area about the balance in our digital lives. Um, the third one has got to be my, f- my favourite. He's not alive anymore, but I would invite him if he was alive. It's Kurt Vonnegut, an American writer of fiction who absolutely has a view on the world that I, I love. I love the humour. So I'd love to hear his take on the world at dinner. That's it for another edition of Catching Up With. My thanks to Paul for his time. Remember, we're available on most of your favourite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so you can subscribe and follow if you wish. Enjoy the festive periods. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch up again in 2019.